Hey, you know, live from San Francisco, it's the Hard Luck Show. Ow! Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified West Side host, Steve Lucky Luciano. Welcome to the show. It's a beautiful afternoon. I'd like to welcome my co-host on my left. Is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, here to educate you all again? Yeah. 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 Damn. I love that shit. And on my right, old blue eyes, Sean Lewis, certified audio professional, engineer, with a hard luck. Show! Yeah! 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 Damn! Yeah. Yeah. Damn! Uh, yeah! Yeah! What? Man! Yeah! These guys today, bro! You guys are on! On fire! Yeah. yeah! Monsters treating you guys good today, huh? Yeah! Damn! Woo-wee! What's up? Ramp part, part two, and the place to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Rampart. That's the Rampart theme. The Rampart theme? Is that the Rampart jiggy? Yeah, you know who did this one, right, Steve? Perez. Nah. Nah, wait. Let it kick in a little bit. You ever heard of a dude named DJ Muggs? Yeah. Yeah. The GOAT. Shout out to DJ Muggs. Yeah, greatest of all time. Shout out to Soul Assassin's Music. Right. The official Rampart sponsor. Yeah. Boom. Hey, I want to give a couple shout outs. My boy Esteban Oreo. Yeah. At Esteban Oreo. Dot com. And uh, hey, give a shout out to Big Lep today. Big Lep. Big Lep. Big Lep was on Big Lep. Rampart 1. Yes, with us. he was. We are, you know what we should what we should do here before we get before we continue to dive in to this very deep and dark and ongoing case and situation with Rampart Scandal. I think it'd, it'd be uh, smart for us to kind of pull everybody up to speed. I know, Chuma, yeah, like a recap, kind of, you know. Please join me, Chumahan, in, in helping me to, let's kind of roughly go over what we've covered, bring people up to speed with Rampart. I've been dying to do this show and get the second part. Right. Out. Uh Okay, so we did the preview. We did Rampart Part One. Yes. Now, 
Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds. I know uh, we've got lots of followers who have told us they haven't missed a show. Mm-hmm. So when I bring yes. you kind of like back up to speed, you'll know that in Rampart 1, they should have called it Runaway 1 mm-hmm. because Lepke was on 1. Yeah. And now you're asking me to summarize what Lepke said? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be easier. It'd be easier to push water uphill. Yeah. Man, you know, smoking like a broke stove. Like a broke stove. <laughs> Tell you something, so, guys. This whole, okay, well, LAPD crash unit. Right. Is a gang task force. Right. Based out of LA. Right. It's an eight square mile. Right. Okay. Division of the LAPD who has a crash unit. This was a corrupt crash unit. It was an elite unit developed to fight gangs. Correct. Right. And um, we went into, you know, they had been a corrupt crew of officers for quite a while. Right. Everything it might have just from, even started out corrupt. From what exactly. I've read, yeah. From yeah, what yeah. I've read, LAPD chief Bernard Parks was mm-hmm. already corrupt. All right. So it's like kind of like what You I'm, had to be corrupt to get in it. Yeah, you know what? That's absolutely true. Right. And that's not just and I'm not like look Okay. So that you laid out the area, right? And you laid out what the unit was, and then if I recall from the episode, you talked about we all talked about. First of all, Lepke gave like two stories like, about being chokeholded and blacked out. Yep. And waking up. And he mm-hmm. swears his pants weren't down when he And now up. we're talking about this is all kind of going on in the late 80s and the early 90s. Right. So, yeah. That's the cops right there. Yep. Lepke got, you know, Lepke had dealt with um, a Rampart crash unit. Directly, they choked him out a couple of times. Right, yeah. right, choked him out, and then you talked about Blackbird, who, who got, who had evidence planted on him, which is what the Rampart Division did. Blackbird from Temple Street, the right. Temple Street neighborhood was it ran straight through. I mean, the Rampart Station was across the street in their neighborhood. Right, so they were really getting the bare brunt of it. Right. And so you said Blackbird eventually got that thing overturned. Got a gun and cocaine. Um, yeah, he he. That evidence was, you know, planted planted on him, right? And uh, eventually, he served. I think it was six, five or six years on an eight-year sentence, and uh, he got out, right? And got a settlement of almost a million dollars, right? And which he didn't invest uh, smart, wisely, wisely, and as a result, eventually has nothing to show for, right? I I, I don't know where he's at. Hey, Blackbird, if you're out there listening, I love you, man. Come on home. Right. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, like I said, Lepke talked about some personal experiences with him. I tell you, man, now, just so that we're clear, the way that this thing starts to unhatch right, is behind one of these officers from Rampart that's off-duty, rolling down the street, and an undercover officer, LAPD officer from a different division. Right. Liga. Liga. They bump heads. Right. Kevin Gaines and Liga. Kevin Gaines and Officer Liga. And Kevin Gaines, by the way, just so people know, he had a history of weird road rage incidents before get having getting in, right. in, in with Liga, right? Flashing his gun, flashing his badge. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Let's see if I can pull. I'm going to pull one of these incidents up. 
So he had at least four other off-duty roadway incidents, Kevin Gaines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he had threatened motorists with violence. One of the drivers was a retired LAPD detective. The guy's name was Sig Shine. Whatever. So he had a real uh, thing for bumping into other cops, huh? Right. And what he would do was cut people off, right? Kevin Gaines would cut people off, and then they would get into weird fights and flip each other off. And then all of a sudden, Gaines would like show his badge and a gun and then freak out the other motorists, and then they would just take off. And, and those, had been, those had been reported. For instance, this, uh, this officer that Gaines got involved with um, Gaines braked. They pulled over to the side. Mm-hmm. Gaines jumped out of his SUV and, sh- and shouted, hey, motherfucker, you going around giving people the finger? I ought to cap you. I ought to blow your motherfucking head off. And then, right, the ex, the cop that was off duty, uh, Sig Shine, said, only if you're a faster shot than me, and showed him the badge. And he said, Kevin Gaines jumped in his car and took off. So that's the kind of shit he was doing before he butted heads with Liga. Let me tell you something. Think about that. And it isn't that this guy has a knack for bumping into cops. That's not it at all. Because if we only have four incidents reported, this guy probably was doing that shit hundreds of times. And it's just a matter of, of course, there were going to be some LAPD officers involved in it. Right. Because he was fucking probably, he probably pulled that shit off a thousand times. Well, so I'll tell you right now, this is all bubbled up again. Mm -hmm. And right now there are some reports that Liga was actually racist and that there are some reports that they're trying to push now. Uh, For instance, um, let's put it, he was, so Liga who kills Gaines, Uh right? And then Gaines' guys uh, try to go around and cover up the evidence and try to, and whatever. So this is kind of like a racial issue at that time. And this is how Rampart slowly starts to get opened up. Mm-hmm. All right. And Liga, uh, the only guy that believed Liga was a detective named Russell Poole. Now, Russell Poole is the guy, if you watched Unsolved on Netflix or you watched any of those documentaries, Russell Poole was the LAPD homicide detective that was assigned to this weird shooting that at the time they didn't even know was between cops. Mm-hmm. Right. And as he uncovers it, he keeps like 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 a pit bull, like a pit bull. He has a bite on on some kind of conspiracy. And as he keeps nibbling the LAPD brass, Charlie Parks and everyone's keeps pushing him. Bernard Parks keeps pushing him and trying to get him to get off of investigating the higher conspiracy in the LAPD which is all these crooked cops planning evidence Mm -hmm. and working with death row and doing all this shit Mm -hmm. that's what they're trying to keep him off of and he's like this like you know detective Russ Poole is kind of like naive and he's also tenacious and he's also he just wants to get to the truth that's his version and so he keeps just chewing on it and every fucking fat ass fucking bureaucratic swaddled fucking flea bag detective that's been up in these divisions forever and knows how it really works keeps trying to warn Russell Poole like hey don't park up that tree stop exactly mm-hmm. otherwise it ain't gonna look good you're yeah all of them tried to tell him that and he just kept going and eventually he got he got uh, he resigned they tried to put up some fake shit on him as a as a cop and all this other stuff because he kept pushing mm-hmm. he kept pushing his theories Anyway, so Liga, who's at the beginning of this thing, right? 
So there's this whole thing now where they're saying that he's he's racist and he was still teaching at the LAPD Academy like just a couple years ago, Frank Liga, the guy who shot Kevin Gaines. Did mm. you know that? Mm-mm. All right, and they caught audio of him teaching and this is what it let's see if I got this the volume up oh no, I have it down. So this is what it sounds like when he's teaching. Let's see if we can hear it. Occurred with Kevin with Kevin Gaines is that Hold on. one day he got into a street rage issue. All right, so that's what we learned about. And then there's oh, here we go. Here's the recording. Derwin and his and his buddy Kevin Gaines were best friends and running partners. That's how Derwin Gaines. That's how Gaines knew who I was, basically. I gained Derwin Henderson was a probationer of mine. And I'd seen them one night in Hollywood. And remember, I had long hair, driving a fucking Buick Regal. And I'd seen Henderson in traffic, and we stopped nose face. I was going south, he was going north. He had another male black in a car with him, but I didn't pay attention to that guy. I was talking to Derwin. We were partners, and we were saying hi to him and talking to him. Turns out Gaines was with him. They were running partners. That's where Gaines knew me. So that's him talking about how he actually knew who Gaines was, which is throwing a little bit of... Yeah, I'd say so. It's throwing a little bit of a different spin on on the fact that, you know, somehow this was just a weird road rage incident that didn't quite go down. Right. Now they know yeah. each other. Right. That's crazy. Right? So so I think the thing to start really thinking about in terms of the rampart in terms of the rampart scandal, the thing to think about is that we still haven't even gotten close to understanding what the actual conspiracy really what was is. Really going on. Right. Right. All we know is that Chief Bernard Parks went from Chief Bernard Parks to eventually council person. Mm-hmm. All we know is that some of the top brass kind of like moved positions and stayed the top brass. Right. Um, and then, then another thing that one of the if Steve, if you could kind of keep people's attention while I look up who was the guy who hit me to this, uh, give him credit for bringing this to my attention. Pools, by the way, passed away. He passed away a few years ago. Yeah, heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. But he was actually in the midst of investigating further the the Biggie Smalls case, right? Right. In the movie Unsolved, they show him like having a heart attack like right during the at the sheriff's thing, but that's dramatized. In reality, he was building uh, more evidence for another book that he was coming out with. And at some point, had a heart attack, and then I think it was Capper seventy one mm-hmm. who yeah. hit me up that um, what's going on with Rafael Perez right now? Yeah, what'd you say? Was a limo driver or a security guard? He's a limo driver, and he's for who. For Harvey Weinstein. Oh shit! <laughs> That's what's alleged. And there's wow. and let's see, let's see if I can go to the sound for that. Let's see. Um, yeah. So this this video this video guy. Uh, let me and let's give him some credit because this guy said he's been working. TonyVera.com. Right. I think this came from Capper seventy one. He has been following and trying to find Rafael Perez. He oh, really? finds him. As LABD's notorious cop, ex-cop, I should say, is now a limo driver. He drives Lily Weinstein, daughter of Harvey Weinstein. I caught him at LAX. It took me two years to get this guy, but they finally got him. Here's the video. And then he mm. shows the video, 
and you see, you know, the black Escalade and uh, a bunch of like minions get out and uh, you see Harvey Weinstein's daughter. And then, of course, you know, Tony Vera's there with a camera shouting questions. And as he goes around the Escalade, he comes up on a limo driver and you can see it's Raphael. Are you sure? And anyway, Rafael Perez is trying to hide his face and everything. And there's another video this guy, Tony Vera's got, mm -hmm. where where Harvey. I like this guy. Yeah, I love him. But dude, we should have that this guy on the show. No. He comes in and he's got Harvey Weinstein and and Perez is driving and Weinstein's in the back, mm. and his daughter and he's, I mean I don't know if he's got I don't know if this like videographer guy, uh, I don't know if he's got he like this Weinstein fucking humping his daughter. No. No. No, but he I don't know if he's got like a tent set up right there at Arrival at LAX mm. or whatever, because he seems to be able to be there before. I don't even know how he knows that Harvey Weinstein's taking a trip. All right. But he gets even Weinstein this time. And, and this is before Weinstein gets crippled with the walker because right. he's now, you right. know, facing criminal right. charges. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And this this Weinstein can walk just fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's operating the cell phone just sure. fine. Sure. Rafael Perez is driving that limo too. And, you know, it just leads one to wonder, you know, with all this shit that Harvey Weinstein's involved in, an ex-cop like El, uh, like Rafael Perez who planted evidence on tons of people, mm -hmm. you got to believe that that guy has developed a lot of strategies to keep rape victims and mm -hmm. whoever else keep Absolutely, their mouth shut, bro. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Like, why is he the limo driver? Of all the limo drivers in on the world, he, he got Rafael Perez. Isn't that crazy? Think about that shit. Think about that for a second. You're Harvey Weinstein. Money is no object. I mean, you he know. He went to look for him. Harvey Weinstein's so rich, he pays Quentin Tarantino. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, who am I going to get as a driver? Who am I going to get as a limo driver? And somehow he finds the most notorious, dirtiest, greasiest cop that and LAPD's history mm -hmm. known. Funny. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it, it, there must be like a club where they all show up. Right, like a. Oh yeah. There's probably like a like a scumbag Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Sean, have you? Like, what do you think, Sean? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think once you get to like level six scumbag, go you ahead. Get, sorry. You get like a membership card to whatever this thing is. Right. It's almost like his bona fides were made by taking the fall. Now, here's the other thing about Rampart that people don't know. Tell me. Or that some people may know. So. As Lepke, Senator Lepke, had brought to our attention, the, the crash units were actually franchised out to all the different uh, divisions. divisions of the cops, right? And so as he was saying was that um, Rafael Perez, once he finally gets caught, and he does get caught, and you know who catches him? Russ Poole. Russell Poole arrests Rafael Perez, right, like in his driveway. And when he arrests him, Russell- For the cocaine, correct? Yeah, this is for the cocaine. The what was it? it was like six pounds of cocaine that he Eight took from- Eight pounds of cocaine, yeah. Yeah. And so in any event, he arrests Rafael Perez. And then when they bring Perez in to do the interview, it's almost as if Perez has already contemplated this. Because Perez is ready to make a deal, right? Now- 
the deal that Perez makes on one level seems like it just wreaks havoc on the LAPD because there's like, I don't know what it was, like a hundred or so convictions that get overturned, right? And then there's also uh, money that gets paid out, right, to Blackbird, 900000 and all that other stuff. But the thing that's weird about it is the Biggie Smalls case, which was touched by a lot of the same cops that were Rampart cops, and a lot of the same cops, like they work security detail at Death Row and all that other stuff. The Tupac and the Biggie cases still remain unsolved, and all the shit that Raphael turned over, somehow, although it was revelatory, it seemed to protect a lot of people too. I agree with that. It's, How is that? I, how does that work? I because I think I, I don't know how that. Well, how do you think it works, Steve? You're the one that fucking knows the lay of the land. Like, how does that work in your mind? I mean, listen, we're gonna focus on these and get these convictions here and get these guys, and we need to leave this over here alone. Right. We need like like it's almost as if somewhere along the way somebody was like, we got. I mean, we got this problem. And it seems to be showing up enough in the media. And we got this one blue flame fucking did Russ, detective Russell who went to the press. By, he eventually went to the press because he didn't feel like the LAPD, uh, internal affairs at LAPD. Russell Poole's feeling was that internal affairs inside the LAPD was a way for Chief Bernard Parks to control an investigation. Once an investigation started coming back on the LAPD, so... One way to look at internal affairs is to say this, right? Like, oh, you found out a cop did some, broke the law? Then you need to get the cops that are the cops' cops. That's internal affairs, right? The other way to look at it is internal affairs is the way to control the information that comes out from that investigation, take it away from regular cops from doing the examination and doing the investigation, and start controlling it, make it seem like something's happening, and then internal affairs might just be like, well, who's going to be the fall guy? Right. And then how are we going to make it look like we expose something but protect and cover up all the real shit? Yes. Right? You're on point with that. You think that, does that make sense to you? It doesn't so take much thinking. It doesn't do they're hard. They're the filter that protects the department. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. So my point is, is like, that's how Russell Poole felt. He felt like, as soon as Eternal Affairs got a hand, like as soon as he would start to touch, oh, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch of LAPD officers working off duty for Suge Knight, and some of them are Rampart, and some of the Rampart guys are wearing, got red handkerchiefs and all that shit, wearing red suits and all that shit. Oh, there's pictures of them looking like straight bloods. Right. As soon as it started to go that way, then all of a sudden internal affairs would get involved and take the case away from them and control it and be like, hey, we're going to look into this now. Thank you. Thank you for doing your duty. And that shit drove him all the way to take the shit outside to the press, which after he took it to the press, he lost his pension. He was like six months away from getting his pension. He fucking sacrificed that whole thing uh, because he was trying to get to the bottom of this case. We're trying to do his job. He doesn't get his pension. Doesn't that sound funny right there? Yeah, that sounds, but that sounds about right. You got to figure, so in a town where the top bad, the top bad cop 
eventually starts driving limo for the top sexual predator right film guy yeah right you got to start wondering this has really caused me to wonder just how much of a role the LAPD plays in dealing with these conspiracies and keeping the seedy part of this this city running it's almost as if they need gangs in the sense that we need some high visibility latinos and blacks that we can crack every once in a while so it looks like we're trying to shut crime down but in reality we're facilitating a whole bunch of other lucrative shit what do you think about that steve i think that that's i think that that's right bro i mean i just watched a special on i don't know what it was on one of these and it was about this murder that was responsible for one murder, an abduction of a girl. Well, that sheriff of that town got a hold of this guy and convinced this guy, coached him, convinced him to go ahead and um, and um, plead out or take responsibility for like 10 other missing girl murders. Okay, and that way the sheriff, and he would get reelected as sheriff because how it would look on the missing crimes, the open files that'd be closed, and then they uncover twenty years later, thirty years later, when they interview this guy and he's on death row, and they're, that this guy was coached. He didn't know the real stories. When they went to try and ask him how they were killing all these things to justify it or to, 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 to prove it, the guy didn't have any answers because he really didn't fucking call these other girls. So I feel like, in a sense, I bring that up because I feel like, in a sense, what Chumahan's saying is right. Like, if you got a couple bad guys, let's let's keep them breathing. Let's keep them alive because we can use those guys for all sorts of shit. We can stick, oh, oh, they're the cause of this. Let's attach that. Let's clean up our slate with these, right? You get what I'm saying? I, I wonder how much evidence and how much guilt, how much shit is planted on these guys wrongly convicted because they're scapegoats for a lot of other bad business that has to go on, I believe. Well, uh... Let's see. I'm going to pull up the rules at the time for the LAPD evidence locker. Like when you check out the evidence in the, in the locker, mm -hmm. um, the part that's crazy about it is how lax it is. When you read about how lax oh, it yeah. is. You, you basically had to give a signature, just a signature, and you could take anything you want out. Yes. And put back whatever you fuck you want. Right. And so, so like apparently at the time, and I think, I think it was, I think, I don't know what they've done about it. To be honest with you, I don't even know what they've done about it now. But so, you know, what would happen is, is like, for instance, in this case, right? Rafael Perez. So how many last names are there Perez in Los Angeles? Joel Perez was another officer on the LAPD. He would show up at the, Rafael Perez would show up at the evidence locker and sign Joel Perez and then take out cocaine. He didn't just take out that six pounds. Over time, he'd been taking out one pound, two pounds, and replacing it with Bisquick and all this other shit, right. right? So think about this. In what world, like even in 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, in what world would it make sense to you or an institution where the stuff that's in that evidence locker, right, is going to be needed for trial later, 
is going to be needed for whatever later. In what world does it make sense that it's super lax that you could check shit out? You don't even have to be working the case. You don't even have to be an officer on the case that got checked in. In what world is it that anything could be checked out and you'd be like, well, the log says this. We don't know. And you only have like two people in the back that are kind of like keeping track of anything. In what world does that make sense unless you wanted to manufacture evidence, unless you wanted to lose evidence, unless you wanted to fuck around with evidence? It doesn't make sense in any world except that one. Okay. I'm going to bring a point up to you right now. I'm listening to me real clearly. They had these evidence lockers, right? With all this cocaine, heroin, PCB. I mean, and these are large quantities that they're keeping. Why are they keeping this stuff, Shumam? For court, right? For that's, court. For, that's what they say. That's what they say. Now, picture this. I'm a cop and I pull Sean over. Okay. And he's got what looks to be four or five kilos of cocaine in the back of his car, right? Right. And we arrest you. How do we arrest you and how do we know that those are cocaine or any or not baking powder? Don't they test it on the scene? Right there. Yeah. They that, crack it open, they do a little test and they shake a little vial. Right, right. and uh-huh. then you see the blue. Right. Oh, the cocaine. Now, why isn't that test good enough for the state? Because it's not reliable, actually. Okay. It isn't. I was watching. I, was I know. I've, I've watched that, too. But wait. <laughs> and I'm not trying to go there, but I'm trying to get to what I'm first talking about. Go is, ahead. That's enough, though. That is enough. And it's proof enough to lock up Sean. You're saying. And put him on trial. But it's not enough for all the cocaine. That, like, why do they have to have it? Do they have to test it again? Oh, I see the point you're making. You're making a great point. You're saying you test it. On the spot, right there, eyewitness, percipient witnesses. Mm-hmm. Like, we already know that Coke's there, and mm-hmm. the cop can look and say, like, yeah, this is, you know, they, you could even Cup weigh em. You could weigh it there if you needed to, right? Mm-hmm. You could. What, what, do you actually have to bring, you do, I mean, honestly, in any of these cases, have you ever actually seen anybody bring in eight pounds of Coke and put it, or like two pallets of Coke and put it in the courtroom and say, that's the amount of Coke? Never. You, you don't need to. You don't need to. Right. So why are they holding on to it is what you're asking. Exactly. Why isn't it just destroyed if that's the case? We have the test. We know yeah, what it take was. Take a picture of it. Take a picture of it and destroy it. Check this out. So. They kept it so they could deal it. The LAPD's system, right, for evidence and all that stuff was extremely lax for checking out drugs for court evidence. Especially if the amounts were a pound or less. Mm. All you had to do was make a phone call to the property division, give a last name and a badge number, then ask that the dope be sent to you by courier. So they would bring the shit to you. The drugs had to be returned, of course, but no one at the property division ever checked to find out that what got back was pure cocaine or a bag of baking powder. Bro, do you know how that's a business they were running, bro? A hundred percent. Think about that. A hundred percent. How much coke was brought in and out of that evidence room before this happened. And imagine I bet- how much, imagine how many motherfucking ex-cops have met, bought homes and businesses and cars with all that money and all that dope. 
and I bet you uh, uh, all, everybody up the chain of command gets to wet their beak on all that business. That's the reason why it runs the way it does. That's why nobody questioned it. Right. That's amazing to me, though, because now you're thinking about it. You're like, how much of, and I don't know this, this is allegedly, how much of Bernard Park's ability to run campaigns and, 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 and money to fund his run for councilship and all this other shit, how much of that flowed through these kinds of illicit, illicit transactions allowing officers to use? And his job, Parks, somebody like Parks wouldn't even have to get his hands dirty. All he'd have to do is make sure that Eternal Affairs did an investigation that never touched on that. He just would control that. And then every once in a while, you got some fucking asshole like Detective Russell Poole who doesn't want to play ball like everyone else. If it took us a matter of a couple of weeks to figure out why the fuck is the drugs being taken in and checked out like that, you're going to tell me that all this time nobody else put two and two together? Mm. Of course not. They had it running like that. Make sure you don't change that system up. There doesn't need to be any protocol. The protocol is just fine. That way we can get what we need to do. And You know what, man? This is fucked up. because, And, and so that system is what's working throughout the like L.A. count, like the, the, the Los Angeles that system? That's what I'm saying. Not just in Rampart. That's the way LAPD gets down. Right. That system is working out throughout the entire city slash county slash whatever. Absolutely. And what's crazy is, like, and then you read these stories about, like, how Chief Parks, like, so, so, so Russell Poole, right, so through the Frank Liga thing and the Rafael Perez thing, right? So Russ Parks is, or, I mean, Russell Poole is already like figured out like, oh, wait a minute. There's something bigger kind of like going on. He gets up to a point, they move him off that case. And for whatever reason, and I'm not exactly sure what it was, they put him on the Biggie Smalls case thinking, I think, because he was in a homicide division, I think they thought, well, this is just a separate case. So it's no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Or they put him. So you got to understand at the higher ups, when they're looking at some of the guys and every partner, that Russell Poole works with is constantly trying to tell him to play ball, right? Like, they're all of them. <laughs> and so you got to believe that there were some conversations with the lieutenant and the chief where it was like, so is he just going to... Because what they were always trying to get Russell Poole to do was to stick to the one case he's supposed to investigate, not, not uncover all this other shit. Just who killed, who killed Biggie? What exactly happened? Like, blah, 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 blah. Don't, you're not supposed to be chasing leads everywhere. And they, you had to believe that there was conversations with the lieutenants and the higher-ups that are like, so is Russell Poole listening to you? Like, you've been telling him, like, we're sticking to this? Well, I want you to keep an eye on Russell Poole. Keep an eye on him. Make sure. Don't say anything to him too much because you, you want to stay friends with him so he tells you everything that he knows, right? You got to be his buddy. So he tells you what he's discovering so that we can prepare for what's coming out and we know when to move him off a case and into another case. That's, I guarantee you, write the report. Let him write the report. Then you read it. Then you tell us. And then we find out. And then we'll, we'll manage Russell Poole. We're managing this guy that wants to try to, like, expose the whole thing and make, you know, the truth come out whether it hurts the LAPD or not. And by this time, also, you got to remember that Biggie Smalls' mother, right, this, like, Jamaican woman that fucking is, like, the Terminator, she ain't going away. 
She's coming back every single time. She even sound, I'll be back. She sound like that. <laughs> She's suing. They estimated what Biggie's the rest of his life was worth. It's four hundred million dollars had he lived. And they were suing the LAPD for that, the city for that, because there was a some kind of conspiracy going on. Covering up the murder and they didn't protect him. The, the whole thing. And that LAPD officers might have been involved in the killing. And if so, then LAPD is responsible. And they're gonna have to pay the four hundred million dollars. So now you got Bernard Parks sitting on pins and needles, like fuck. We got a fucking we got a whole we got we got we're in a heap of trouble. So there and then you got Russell Poole who's down at the bottom, some fucking needle in a haystack. That's trying to get to like what's the bigger conspiracy here? Trying to unravel all that, and you know, you know that Bernard Parks and now I think at the time it was Gil Garcetti, Eric Garcetti's dad. All these guys are back in office now, by the way. It's like you you look and these names that for ten years kind of like went away, now they're all back again. Gil Garcetti, who was criticized for not not getting more involved in the Rampart scandal and cleaning shit up, leaving it to Bernard Parks to sort out through internal affairs. And then they had Rafael Perez testimony. And so he gave up all this shit, right? But one of the things that was a problem was that Rafael Perez took a bunch of polygraphs Mm -hmm. and he failed all of them. Let me look this up. So this guy is their lead guy. They're giving him immunity. Or, or a lighter sentence, right? But they're saying, "Give us it all, and let's let's root let's root this out, root and branch." We're well, the deal it. was is that as soon as he knew it was in hot water and what they were bringing against him, he quickly began to lay out the deal. All right, you can get me on the cocaine, and they had him on a grand theft auto. I don't know how that came to be, but they had him on a grand theft auto and this eight pounds of cocaine, and the deal was, look. We already got you on that. And he was like, I'll take the time on that. But I want immunity on everything else and I'll talk. That's what that looked like. And that's what that five-year sentence that he took, that's how he got a five-year sentence after all the shit he did. And him taking the lie detectors and failing, do you know that they settled over $100 million in settlements? But they're saying that that wasn't even like a quarter of the case, they couldn't even find all the cases that they had fucking done scandalous to do because they didn't know what to believe of him and what not to. These were only the ones he was willing to cop to, right? Yeah, so exactly. And Russell Poole was like surprised when he learned that the DA's office had cut a deal with press. Cause like Russell Poole was like, dude, this guy, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Why are we cutting just a deal? That's gonna lead to more investigations. Like if anything, we should start turning other people and rolling the whole fucking network up. Instead, it was like they cut a deal with Perez. And Poole kind of knew. Uh, he was like, listen, we, I knew we could have taken care of it cleanly. We just let me do what was right. We didn't need to make a deal with Perez. We should have been sent to prison. Who should have been sent to prison for the rest of his life. The whole investigation was flowing, flowing towards some grand conclusion that was going to tie it all together. At least that's what I believe. This is Russell Poole talking. But as soon as they made the deal with Perez, it was like he became in charge. Are you understand that? You understand what I'm like? Like what he's saying? He's saying like 
he was the lead guy that was closest enough to the thing to even bring Perez's name into it. Like, if it wouldn't have been for pulling them, uh, Parks and all these other fuck faces would have just let it roll. You wouldn't have even heard of Perez. You might not even heard of Rampart. Got it to that point, mm-hmm. right? And then at that point, they decided to cut a deal with Perez. And, and, and the guy who actually got it that far is trying to tell him, you don't need to make a deal. Let's just do the investigation. Why do you need to make a deal? Let's just do the investigation. And you know somebody higher up talked to Perez and said, look, dirtbag. Mm. You help us control this fucking thing and you're going to be okay. We got a nice job when you're finally done. Working for Harvey Weinstein. Working for Harvey (laughs) Weinstein. We know some... We know some sexual predators that are going to need some help. Yeah, you're you're going to get to work for them. Oh, handsomely. Every once in a while, some fucking irritating cinematographer is going to ask you a bunch of... But other than that, (laughs) it's going to be all good. Yeah. (laughs) So he, you know, Perez was like, all right. You're going to drive around him and another guy named Epstein. (laughs) Exactly. Your people. (laughs) We're going to put you back with your people, working with your people. Right. So it was... what. Right, in my imaginings, this is what happened, right? Perez is alone in this dark room. And And it's Weinstein with his pants down. And you see two long shadows come in, right? And it's like, you know, you you look and you see the metal on the lapels gleaming and you realize, oh shit, that's Chief Paul. Chief Parks comes in and says, Perez, listen. Like, like he, almost like a Sith Lord, right? Like Perez is the guy who's like training to be Darth Vader and, and Parks is Darth But then behind him comes the Emperor. And just like, and you see, and it's a crinkly old white man named Epstein <laughs> who's really pulling all the strings. Right. That's what I imagine happened. And they told him, were you going to help us control this? Otherwise, we're going to kill your entire family or something. Right. So, and Perez is so... Di- By the way, Perez was known, you know, obviously Denzel Washington modeled his performance in Training Day after Perez. So Perez was kind of an asshole as it was. Right. Probably got off on the shit. Absolutely. He was probably just wet on the... He's t- a piece of shit. He was probably just getting wet, just getting ready to do yeah, one Yeah, line. man. Yeah. So... So... So Poole's bummed out now. Here he's almost got to the fucking truth, and now the head criminal's in charge. And Perez decides what parts of the investigation were going to stay alive and which weren't. Perez implicates almost every detective he worked with at the Rampart station. Right, so remember that too. It's got limited to Rampart. You didn't hear about Santa, you didn't hear about any of the other crash units, right? Right, right. right. They were probably busy hiding evidence as soon as, right? They were were iron wrinkles. They were like getting it all. Right. Uh, So Perez implicates every detective he worked with at Rampart Station, except he noted and insisted that Sammy Martin was clean. That's the same Martin who was meeting with Perez and Durden in the dead of the night once they knew there was an investigation. Even more dubious was Perez's insistence that he knew of no criminal activity of David Mack. David Mack, and we might just go in and drill down on some of these names, but David Mack later gets implicated in the killing of Biggie Smalls. Mm. All right, and he's deep in death row. All right, then Chief Parks himself would tell the media that he believed Perez was not telling the whole truth about Mack. So they're like letting a little bit of tension out. But because the inquiry into Perez's activities had become so vast, 
one of the guys decided to conduct five separate polygraph examinations of Rafael Perez. Mm. Two of them are going to focus on his relationship with David Mack and the other shootings uh, not disclosed by Perez. So he submits to all these lie detector tests between November 30th and December 16th, 1999. And uh, the results were that he failed them all. He failed five of all the polygraph examinations. Now think about that. I believe it. Yep. So the key witness in the LAPD rooting out all of the crooked cops in the Rampart Division can't pass any of the polygraph tests. What does that tell you? Unbelievable, man. And they still kept him as the witness. Unbelievable. What does that tell you? That they're going to use him. He's a fucking pawn. Right. He's a pawn, man. They're going to utilize this guy. Right. He's a liar. They got to, and, and one of the other things that they would say about Perez was that he was an amazing liar. That in all the cases that he would get off on it, that like in all the cases where he had manufactured evidence, mm-hmm. he would like moonwalk and pop and lock all the way up to the stand and sit down and he was ready. <laughs> and that some of the public defenders hated going up against him. They knew he was lying, but the way he delivered it, he would get commendations from the judge for his truthfulness. Mm-hmm. And he was lying through his teeth. Unbelievable. Nobody else could tell. So that kind of stuff is all in the background of this Rampart scandal. So the Rampart scandal is actually, if you really wanted to think about it, was a fence probably that was put around a a, a disaster. Like BP oil spill, Mm -hmm. Rampart was just a tiny, thin little fence that they put around a little section of it and focused on that. And dealt with that in order to make sure no one discovered how big the emergency really was. Right. That makes sense? Makes sense to me. Um, and then, you know, uh, you have... And then the, the other part that's crazy about... What were you going to say? No, no, no. I'm listening. I thought you were going to say something. Oh, I will. So the, the thing that's crazy about this is that you know, somehow this touches also the Tupac and the Biggie murders, yes. this Rampart scandal, right? And it, it's almost as if the Biggie and Tupac murders actually impede or make it even harder to understand exactly what's going on in the Los Angeles Police Department. Like, it's almost like trying to solve those conspiracies, and I believe that they are conspiracies, almost lends itself as an extra complication that makes it harder to understand. It almost overshadows Rampart. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's a certain way that when you start to talk about Rampart, you wind up having to talk about Suge Knight, then you have to talk about P. Diddy, then you have to talk about Tupac, then you have to talk about Biggie. Yeah. And as in, in a weird way, it's it 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 makes it hard to draw a perfect diagram or better understand what the underlying criminal conspiracy that's involves the LAPD is. And instead then now you've got these things. I mean, I mean, do you feel that Sean? Like, do you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, yeah, definitely overshadowed. It seems like that's the neon sign. And in fact, I think that when I'm looking at that show on the one on Netflix, yeah. Unsolved. I didn't watch it forever. And it, mainly I didn't watch it because I'm not necessarily interested in, in listening to a bunch of theories about how Tupac and Biggie died. Right. But if you talk about Rampart, that to me that's like, 
uh, it's a little bit more based in fact or theories that I, I don't know. There's there's something there's something almost um, yeah, like the conspiracy part of it is just not interesting to me. But if you talk about Rampart, then I'm like super interested in what what, what happened. So that's what's interesting is that those two murders and that sort of thing in a weird way seem to get in the way of understanding the depth of Rampart. I agree. I agree. And then it spawns all of these extra theories and it spawns like almost a cottage industry of weird like confessions and 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 shows and documentaries kind of makes it fictional it makes it feel fictional right and you stop you lose sight of the fact that you got this whole coordinated thing where cops are coming and going and planting evidence and picking up cocaine out of the evidence locker without having to even it's easy it's harder to order room service yeah at the marriott <laughs> than it is to get cocaine out of the lapd locker crazy like for instance like um, just to give you a for instance of how how crazy this gets is like now you've got like a a, a a Puff Daddy or Puff Diddy or whatever he calls himself, Sean Puffy Combs or whatever the fuck he's called these days, uh-huh. right? His bodyguard, right? Even his ex bodyguard wants to get in the game, and this is what it sounds like, and you're trying to understand it. To my job. This is him. Since Bad Boy sent the FBI to my job, I've been talking about this. Not only did I did Biggie Tupac, I was on the first program with MTV. I was on VH1 Famous Crime Scene. And the whole Biggie Tupac that I did for Miss Wallace. In 2004, a full documentary was shot by Ricardo McKendricks Jr., allegedly over the Junior Block Mafia. But because them alphabet boys picked him up, it never got out. So you you like listening you like you're like I because I did this I like look at it and I'm like oh my god Diddy's former bodyguard's gonna he's gonna talk about what's really going on what's real and then you start listening to it and you get lost in a web of weird shit right right like like, like, like here's another one nigga you wouldn't been sipping on no Ciroc you would have been three hots in a cot you shit I mean like you're sitting there and you're like what is he saying this. your people came to me with DVD deals your people came to me with the fucking uh, uh, book deals and shit like that. I was trying to get at you. If I was trying to get at you, bruh, when those folks came with me, to me, nigga, you wouldn't been sipping on no Ciroc. You would have been three hots in a cot. Check out the picture. It seemed like everybody go to jail or end up dead but you. He's talking about P. Diddy right there. Uh. And there's like a picture of him and with a bunch of dudes and then P. Diddy's up on the right. And I don't know even why he's mad at P. Diddy. You forgot. I was there at City College, bro. I was the one at City College to open the doors to help save those kids when you ran the other way. Are you serious? And wreck TV. So I, you're sitting there. What is he talking about? Exactly. He was there to open the doors yeah, at City it, College. But then he's got this interesting story about P. Diddy and like Suge Knight. I'm trying to get to that. Trying to get past some of this, but I want to give you a flavor. So like while you're trying to understand Rampart, you got like a thousand pages of this. Actual people that are tangentially involved putting out all this shit. People are trying to insert themselves to be uh, some sort of knowledgeable or, or... At that moment, he was talking about memorial services held for the victims of the City College Stampede. So I don't know if there was like... Uh, do you remember that? Or no. does that make sense? No, I don't know if he's talking... Like somehow Puff Daddy was involved in that. And somehow this guy was the only realist dude that handled the shit and that Puff Daddy ran scared or something. Like, that's kind of what he's saying. 
Let me try to get to this story where he's talking about the meeting between Suge Knight and Puff Daddy. Of the Marlboro man that huh. had the billboard behind you. Now, we driving around Cali. He's doing an interview with you and everything like that. So he's riding around with Puff Daddy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why there's a Marlboro man, but he's involved. Uh, some, and he's got, he's got like a reporter doing an interview with him. In the car. So next thing you know, we drive behind the House of Blues. Guess who we see? We see Pac and we see Suge. Pac is in the white drop-top Bentley. Suge is in the red drop-top Bentley. Okay, there's two Bentleys. Uh, red, white, drop-top. Okay. I've never even been allowed to ride in a Bentley, but here we go. We drove by them, and Riz was like, oh, shit. There go them niggas right there. And then you said, who, who? That was Pac, and that was motherfucking Suge. You said, Kenny, drive back around. So P. Diddy is saying, drive back around? Next thing you know, Kenny get ready to drive back around the corner. Riz got 40 cents in his hand. I'm looking at the reporter. Reporter look like he about to shit on himself. So I know. 40 cents? I think he's saying he's got a 40. Like, a, a, I think he's trying to say he's got a gun. Okay. Right? Right? 40 cents in it. I don't know. But, I mean, why would he say he's got 40 cents in his hand unless he's referring to a gun? Like 40 caliber. Yeah. He's got 40 cents. And the reporter looked like he's going to shit on himself. Right. Right? Imagine you're the reporter, Sean. You're riding around P. Really? Diddy. Let me out. <laughs> and Riz <laughs> is like, hey, them them dudes. Sugar Tupac. And like, hey, drive around, drive around. And another guy brings out a gun. And you're just sitting there like, I just want an article, man. I'm trying to write for a fucking <laughs> Source magazine. Hey, I'd be like, Ch -ch -ch -ch. I'm going to get this hot exclusive. Him, it would have never been no Keefy D or nobody. You wouldn't have went out your cypher like that. Because you had Wolf and you had Riz. You had Wolf and you had Riz. And they was your mathematician. They solved your problem. And Riz was ready to do whatever, whenever. So now he tells you. You better talk to them niggas right now. So we rose up to, we rose back around, we roll up to Pac. You said, what up, Pac? Pac turned his head, looked at you, and act like you wasn't even existing. It turned back around, looked like you was a piece of shit. Riz was like, yo, fuck that nigga. Talk to Suge. He the boss. You say to Suge, yo, Suge, what's up? Suge say, what's up to you? You say, Suge, we got any problems? Everything good with us, man? Everything straight? Suge said, everything straight. You said, we ain't got no problem out here? You say, I don't know no problems you got out here. You ain't got no problems with me. You say, all right, then later on, just say, later on, and that was it. So that's it. You hang in for all these people that are inserting themselves into this controversy and the whole thing, and you wind up with just basically a story where there's no problem. Uh-huh. After I listened to that whole thing, and I'm like, what yeah. is that? That's why it's so hard to understand the Rampart scandals, because you get caught up in all this stuff. I did a lot of research on the internet. It, that's what you have to do, and, and then you got to weed through all that. And so what I'm saying is, is that these controversies are impeding understanding yeah, totally. the underlying whatever. And a I'll, lot of dead ends. I'll give a big shout-out to Mr. Rec TV. Mr. Rec. Mr. Rec. Mr. Rect. Mr. Rect. Mr. Rect TV is the name of this fucking thing. Rect. No, like Mr. Rect. Misdirect. Like wow. misdirect, misdirect. So I'm like looking at these things and I'm so paranoid that I'm starting to think like, is there a PR agency or is there somebody who's helping to manage 
keeping as much shit out there as possible. Smoke screen. Yeah. All this extra collateral shit, so it's harder to even because I Get went on to Reddit. Know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean. I mean. I went on to Reddit and I'm like, I typed in Rampart. Do you know what came back? No. Very little. Really? On Reddit. Yeah. Reddit goes hard. Reddit goes, you could tell. They're pulling information off. Are you kidding me? Reddit's solving fucking 60-year-old fucking murder mysteries and shit. Dude, you could type For in. For fun. Yeah, you could type in the letter T and nothing else, and you would get back like a ton of information about the letter T on Reddit. Right. Yeah. Like Sanskrit, and it started out with a Japanese, and this. But you hit in Rampart scandal, and, and it's there's like very little crickets. Hmm. Yeah, that's that right there. Think about that. Crickets. Now, I'm going to give you an example of something that happened to me personally with this Rampart unit, and, and it was the crash unit, bro. Okay, I'm. Dry. This is in '97. Guys, listen up. To this in 1997. I'm on the 101, the 101 freeway. Were you active? Or the 10, am I on the 10? Is it 10? No, it's the 101 freeway. And I'm getting off at Vermont. And I'm traveling, I guess, west or, yeah, westbound. I'm mean, coming from the downtown area to the Hollywood area. And I come up upon Vermont. And I'm exiting Vermont. And as I exit Vermont... Where that exit lets you off at is right by Melrose. Lets you off right by Melrose. Right. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Make a right turn. This is 12 o'clock in the afternoon. 12 o'clock noon. Make a right onto Vermont. And you drive about, about a block or two. And what you hit on Vermont is you hit Melrose. Okay? So as I'm coming to a rolling stop at Melrose rolling to a stop at the red light i hear a high caliber gun Ooh. boom boom right yeah behind me kind of behind me to the left of me a little bit there's someone on the sidewalk well i'm heading one way and i'm hearing it to my left so i look in my rearview mirror and I look and I don't see anything. But I look in my left rear view mirror to my left and I see somebody running through the cars towards me. But he's back probably a couple football fields, about a football field. And he's running with a high caliber gun shooting in the direction. As soon as I notice him and the where he's shooting, yeah. I duck down. Yeah. And as I'm ducking, another bullet now hits my car, enters through the rear of my car. But as it hits the car, the 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 sound of the impact of this bullet hitting my car as and this is me as I'm bending down. I just look through the rearview mirror. I see this and I get down. As I get down, my hat flies off of my head with the impact of this bullet. So I stayed down for a second, bent over. I'm trying to look. And now cars are rolling into like it rolling. We were at a dead stop by this point. Now they're starting to roll. Even though the light screen, 
cars aren't just driving. Everybody's shook, you know? Right. I guess other people don't like, So now I've taken my foot off of the brake, and I'm letting the car roll forward, and boom, boom, like more shots are coming. Do you feel like they're shooting at you? It's like they, but I, this guy's shooting at whatever he's shooting in my direction. Right. So I'm staying down low because I'm like, I can hear the bullets hitting cars next to me. Damn. Bing, bang, and hitting metal. So after about five, seven seconds, no more shooting. I'm going to look up. I see the guys. The cars are rolling. I go ahead and I pull over. I, I cross Rob, I, I cross Melrose, and I pull into this little, right there, right at the corner, is a donut shop, little is your glass one of those broken? corner mall? No, my glass isn't broken. One of those little corner mall little parking yeah. lot, okay? And I pull right in there, bam. And as I pull in there, there was a car too that was ahead of me that pulled in there, and there was a couple cars behind me pulling in there. Right. Everybody's very aware there was just a shooting going on, right. and a bunch of cars got hit all at this intersection. Right. So you guys are kind of pulling. Everybody's over, pulling over, pulling damage. off the right. They're like, what the yeah. fuck? So I get out of my car, and uh, I have my hat off because my hat got flew off my head onto the passenger side floor. And I look, and I look, and I take my hand across the back of my head, back of my shoulders as I can, and I look at my hand to see if I see any blood, right? Because right, right. I'm kind of thinking I might be hit somewhere or grazed. Right, right. So I get out of my car, and next to me is this bicycle in a truck, in like a garden truck. And he's like just coming around from his truck. He's just coming around and I'm getting out of my car. And I go, hey, and I tell him in Spanish, hey man, do you see any sangre on the back of me? Asking him if he sees any blood anywhere on me. And he's like, no, no está, no está. And I'm feeling myself like, cool, all right. And I can't, I'm like, fuck. So I walk around to my car to see where there, there's, I don't even really know that my car, I could hear the car get hit, but I'm like, where the fuck did the bullet? So I go to the back and there's no busted window on my car. It's a red Mazda. So as I go back to look and see where my car was hit by this bullet, this man comes up to me from the right hand side of where my car is. There's a little, it's like a little uh, uh, Toyota uh, Sentry Camry or something. He's on the right hand side of me. Gardner trucks on the left hand side of me. As I'm going to look at my car, this 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 uh, this Mexican gentleman walks up to me, and he's got like a blank stare on his face. And he looks at me, and he's like, uh, telling me in Spanish, "Can you call the ambulance? Or can you call the police?" And I'm like, "What's up?" You know, I'm asking what's going on. He goes, "Can you call the police?" And he's like, got this blank stare on his face. I'm like, "Fuck." Like he's in shock or something? Yeah, kind of like, just like, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, he asked me the second time, I'm like, yeah, what's up? Que paso? And he grabs my uh, my hand and walks me to the passenger side, and there's a lady sitting there in the passenger seat up front, and she's just staring straight off. She didn't even look at me. Like comatose. Right. And he opens the back door. And when he opens up the back door, his daughter, who must have been maybe 11 or 12 years old, she's 
she's forward against the passenger seat, the back of it, and the top of her head is is off, dude. Her you can see her brain matter and everything. And her little sister is sitting next to her, silent, just sitting there. And I look at it and I'm like, okay. I fucking don't close the door, but I crack it back a little bit, you know? And as I walk towards the front, towards the girl, I pass by the mother or whoever that lady is that's in the front. And then I look and she kind of glances at me and just keeps on looking forward, right? She just gives me like a look. And then I grab this guy by the shoulders and I'm like, all right. And I move him to the front of the car and I like brace his shoulders. And I'm like, you wait here. I call. Like he, 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 he was, it was just, he, he was, was in shock. shock. He didn't know, you know what the, like he's just in shock, right? So I walk into this donut store that we're in front of. Now everything's changed, bro. I'm not, I've never seen some little kid. Mm-hmm. I've seen some shit, but I've never seen some child, innocent child. And so all this shit's kind of like, fuck. Now this whole thing is taking on a whole different twist, man. I walk into this um, donut place, this donut shop, and I go, hey. And I guess there was a couple people ahead of me that had said something like, hey, can you call the police or something like that to these donut, these Koreans. And as I walk in, I go, "Hey, you need to call the you need to call the police right now. Call the paramedics or whatever. Call right. ambulance. Call nine one for that. And I'm going to do anything to satisfy this father, whether he's, his daughter's already gone. But you know, call, you need to call now. And as I say that, this uh, Korean lady, or uh, I don't, I shouldn't even say that, man. I don't know if she was Korean or Chinese. She goes, "Hey, you don't buy nothing. You need to leave the store like that." She says to me, and I go, "Hey." Call the fucking police. I look at her. I fucking yell. I go, call the fucking police. This little girl just fucking got killed in the fucking car behind me. And the lady looks at me like she just starts dialing the fucking number. Like I was about to rip the phone right off the fucking wall and call myself. And she looks at me and she just starts dialing. She got the message. Okay, 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 okay. She got the mess. Right. So I walk back out there and this dude's kind of standing there. And now he's starting to like rub his head and look around. <sighs> right. And so I come out there, I go, they're coming, they're coming now. And as I'm saying that to him, I can hear and see the choppers now coming down to the area, right? right, right. They're all coming down, yeah. converging. Cops are starting to converge. I look over and I can see cop cars have now blocked. They're pulling up and blocking Melrose in Vermont. Right. I take this gentleman, I, I walk him around, I open up his door, his passenger door, mm-hmm. and I... Tell him, hey, sit down, you know, mm-hmm. with his feet facing out. Just sit down. The police are coming. The ambulance is coming. Right. As soon as I do that and I look to my right, there's an officer walking right up to us. Mm. He's not walking right up to us. He's walking up to the scene, almost like he's going to walk past us. Right. And then I'm like, hey, officer. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, hey. I go check that. You check pointed the back to the of girl. This car, yeah. And he's like, looks at me. And he like looks in past the little girl, the sister, looks into the window, and right away he grabs her. He's like, he says something in there. He you knows know? exactly what to do. Right. And I go, This is this is the this is the driver right here, you know? And so right away he engages this guy with you know, he starts speaking Spanish to him, right? Yeah. So as soon as that happens, I no longer can do anything. Right. 
I walk over to my car. Now, I've got something in my car that can't be in my car that I can't have on that scene. It can and be it, it actually, it can be, it, it can be in the car, but the people who, the cops that are arriving on the scene can't see it in your car. Right. Got it. And I know my car was hit by a bullet. So uh, I already know what's going to happen. Evidence, baby. Right. And then they're going to have to do a search of the car. Right, a whole thing. So I get to a, a, a phone and I call a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours. Okay. And it doesn't live far away. And I'm like, hey, I need you to get down here. Drop whatever you're doing and get down here right now. Right. I have right. to give you something. Yep. So they come down. He comes down with his son. Right. And they're down wait, there. Wait, wait, wait. That son? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they get down there, and as I'm like, <laughs> now I've wrapped this thing up in like a fucking sweatshirt, and it's like in the back seat kind of. Wait, 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 wait. How do you, okay, how do you wrap, how big was the thing you had to wrap up? Probably about the size of this pretzel oh jar. Oh my here. god! Okay, so we're looking at like <laughs> shit. We're looking at it. So the size of like a, a two, two giant football. Yeah, it's about football. eighteen football. inch. Eight, yeah, football. Maybe okay, a, a giant football. Maybe a little bigger. A little bigger. This is the peanut butter pretzels that Steve has been eating. The Costco. Right. We right. we put in a dent on these things. Right. So we, I fucking. We put in, <laughs> by the way, you should understand. John had like what. Three or four of them, <laughs> <laughs> but Steve has been—he's been eating them in, like reverse they're, sunflower they're seeds. He's been eating the pretzel and dropping the peanut butter center off in the trash because mm -hmm. he's—he's he's, watching my gallery. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, so wait. So how do you wrap that up with cops and everything at the scene? Like, how's that done? They're pretty busy with what's going on. Right. They haven't come and seen my car yet, but they—they've now they taped off the but parking. You're not lot. driving out of there. You're not driving out of there. No, but so what's the strategy now? When you're in a situation, I get into my car like I'm looking for some things, right? And really, I pull this thing out, wrap it in a sweatshirt, and leave it right behind my my driving seat on the floor. Okay. All right now, I'm staying close by it. Right. I'm waiting for my buddy to show up. Right. And now they're taping off the full parking lot, so I'm like, "Fuck!" Right. How am I gonna? Well, about a minute later, I see my friend. Right. Let me stop eating these fucking things right now. <laughs> this is good. Mm. I like it. That's I a see my friend. I'm like, all right. They come up to the yellow tape, but they can't come into the parking lot. Right. They're just standing at the edge like like, uh -huh. rub, like, right. like rubberneckers. Exactly. A bunch of people. There's a cop. He's telling them, hey, da, da, da. People are asking questions. I'm like, fuck, I got this thing. And I see the cop kind of move over to talk to some other people. And I'm like, fuck it. You got to go. And I walk right. I grab my thing. I walk right up to the, because they don't want anybody leaving the scene. Nobody's driving off from the scene. Nobody's coming into that parking lot, right? Right. Right. There, secure a secure perimeter. Right. Wait a second. So let me ask you. But I'm trying to get to the strategy of this. So when you see the opportunity, like when the cop moves to look in a different direction to talk to other people, do you move? Fa how fast do you move? I move kind of fast, but I don't run. Right. And I walk up with like the sweatshirt, kind of like I'm holding it, like it's just a sweatshirt balled up. Right. Like, like you're like it's just part of like whatever you're doing. Yeah. You got to have walk, that look on your right. face. Right. You know how you got to do it. <laughs> and I walk over and I look at my friend, and I hand it to his son. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. And they just looked at me and got out of there. Right. And nobody knew really any different. And then I right away walked back over to the car. And right. 
pretty there, pretty soon there. I'm told, hey, this this car, and they're like this cops over standing by my car, and he's like, you know, your car was struck by by gunfire because it was struck by with a round, and I'm like, yeah, but where? And he's like, well, it looks like it went in right here, and he shows me, bro, and it was the license right where the license plate is. A forty. Now we don't know at the time. I know it's a big what, round. What kind of car is this? A little Mazda three two three. Okay. Okay. Right by the license plate, there's a hole, and I'm a, I'm talking about a hole. You can see through the hole into the car. Right. So we know automatically. I'm like saying to myself, man, it's a big velocity bullet. It knocked my hat off my head. Just the fucking it hitting the car. Just the impact the of the impact. force. So I look. And it and we look and I open up the trunk and it's like it goes through there, and where it next passed through was the center, dead center of the back seat of the car, and I'm talking about like pinpoint center, maybe right. down a little low, but pinpoint center. Right. The crazy thing is, I was supposed to have my son with me that day, Ugh. and his baby seat. I'm telling you, when I looked at the hole, it would have gone right through my son's back. Ugh. I mean straight through. Now, where's the bullet stop? The bullet went in between the front two driver's seats, had to have just missed my arm, and went in through the radio. What I didn't realize was that I had the radio on, and when that gunfire hit my car, that fucking bullet went right through the fucking radio. Shut the fucking radio wow. off. Right. Went right through and lodged in the engine. Wow. Damn. That's where that bullet fucking traveled all that, went through all that shit, bro. Japanese cars are so small, man. Yeah, bro. There was a fucking 45 round. You could have put that car on a skewer and roasted it. Bro, after I'm that. telling you, the thing went right there. And the chances that it didn't catch my elbow and it was a 45 round, it went right in between, passed right by the two front seats, under and into the radio. That's why they call you lucky, man. Man, dude. So, anyways, I'm like, cool. You got, you guys, he's, he says to me, you know, we're going to have to take this car in. Yeah. I go, okay, well, let me get my stuff out. Let me get my stuff out. He's like, oh, we're going to have to, uh, we're gonna have to question you. We're taking, we're having you. And he points out like a bunch of, we're going to have to come downtown. I'm like, I got shit to do, man. I didn't see nothing. He's like, no, 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 no. Well, we're going to have to take you down, down to Rampart. Uh, we have a bunch of questions. We're going to take Some you in your car. We got to, to da, 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 all this shit. Right. I'm like, man, I got places. Hey. Hey, don't you know this eleven-year-old uh, girl just started? Man, bro, within twenty minutes, every news station, every helicopter, that fucking place, yeah, was taped off. Take us down to the station. Soon as office, hey, uh, sit down. Hey, okay, what happened? I was driving, heard some gunshots. Hat, hat, you know, ducked down. The gunfire stopped, pulled over, checked my car, make sure I wasn't hit, checked the car. Right. Then, uh, uh, do you see the girl next to you? Uh, I didn't see it happen, but yeah, the, you know, she, the, the little girl obviously was hit. Okay. Um, all right. All right. Sit down. We're going to grab somewhere. Questions and this and that and just hold on. I made my statement. Right. Then I get pulled into another room again. A. Tell us what happened. I tell the same story. Dude, I had to tell the same story six or seven times. <laughs> the fuck? You're driving away from Yeah, bro. 
was six or seven times. You're driving away from Then, me. then, me and a lady, they take me and a lady in a car and tell us that they're bringing us to another substation. Listen to this, to another substation. And upon that substation, we're going to be released and be able to call a taxi or go. Why are they taking you to another substation? Listen, they do we get into the car, and as we're driving up, now it's nighttime, bro. So I've already been in the station for like six, seven hours. Jesus. Nighttime. We pull up on a street, bro. And you know what they do? What? They have the, the lights on a couple different guys. And they have me and a woman in the back seat. Right. There. And they're like, they pull up, dude, and they shine the light in these guys' faces and ask us, if we can identify these guys. Now, I've already made a signed statement. I've seen, I don't know anything. I don't know who, what. Right. I heard the gunshot. You're driving in a car away from the bullet facing the other direction. They do that? I go, I wouldn't know who the guy was. I wouldn't know the guy from a Martian. Right. Are you saying, man, come on, man. I need to get this place, I need to get home. Turn around, take us back. We're back at Rampart again. Right. And now, I'm, I, I tell you to the sergeant. I want to speak to the sergeant. The sergeant comes out. I go, hey, man. I signed statement. I told you guys everything I know. I need to go. I want to get the fuck out of there, man, and go home. They have my car. Right. He goes, all right. You'll be out of here soon. I get pulled into another room. This time, they present me with a six-pack, bro. Six pack, a six pack picture, not, not picture. a beer, oh. Sean. Oh. Six pack that so it's picture, it's a picture of six dudes. Right. Yeah. ID. Huh? I go, hey, well, I go, officer. I, why would you ask me if I can identify? No, any of these guys look me. I go, what are you talking about, man? I've never seen any of these guys. I don't know any of these guys. I never saw anything. All right, you have to sign. That none of those people look familiar, so I sign them. Look familiar. Look that 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 it's nobody. You have to sign that. You right. Make the statement. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Sign. I get sent back in the room, and I think that I'm about to be released. And now I get pulled in by some crash officers into another office. All of a sudden, an officer named last name Perez is like, "We've got some evidence we want you to they see." They go, they go. Listen, they they had pulled my fucking file, and now they're like, "Man, you're lucky, from Santa Monica. This and that. What were you doing in this area?" And now they're like, "What? What? We've got some, some. How did they ever use the word?" I mean, there were some problems between this neighborhood and you guys. And, that. and now they're starting to, like, question me. Like, what exactly was I doing over there? Right, like you were running some kind of thing over there, and that was And, like, I was being shot at. Right. And some weird fucking weird. Now, now, this, now the questions that they're asking me are getting a little bit weird, bro. Right. And I told them, hey, man, you know what? I'm not going to answer any more questions, so I want an attorney if you want to talk to me anymore. Right. Or I want you guys to let me go. I don't have anything to do with any of this. I don't know what you're talking about, man. It's driving. It should happen. My car got hit. You guys have my car. That's all I'm going to say. What were you doing in the Rebel 13 neighborhood? Right. All this stuff, bro. 
Right. Well, about 15 minutes later, they give me a copy of my paperwork. You can go. The impound shit. I take off. Now, I don't think any more of this shit, bro. And uh, we get the car back maybe two weeks later. Get the car back. They'd done whatever they needed to do to it, right? Right. All right. Now, the important part about this story and how this relates back to Rampart is I catch a case, bro. All right. I fight a third strike. I catch a case. This and that. We go to Supreme Court. This and that. All this shit. And I beat this 25 to life sentence. I take a deal. Right? Okay. I take this deal. And I'm back in the county jail, and I'm waiting to go back upstate to do this prison term. And as I'm waiting, what happens is you wait about a month, maybe, you know, three weeks, six weeks, somewhere around there, and all of a sudden they duck at you to go back down to L.A. County Jail because the state is going to pick you up from there. Right. And you hop on the Grey right. Goose, and that, that's when you know you're going. No warning, about three weeks in, three and a half weeks, I get a ducket at like, Two in the morning. I'm going to L.A. County. I'm like, great, man. They came quick for me. Right. Go down. I go downtown. We're going to the courthouse downtown. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing at the courthouse? Now I'm getting nervous because I think they've they've collected and they're picking up another case on me. There's something else that they're going to try and file on me. Some other crime has popped up that they found. Prince or something, right? Right. They found out some. They found something, out where the bro, bodies are buried. And I'm buried. in this fucking. Now they put me in this room, bro. That's like got a little, uh, this little thing that you can't see into the holding cell, which is weird, man. Because rooms like that, they don't put normal people in those rooms. That's for like. Uh, That's for like rats? witnesses and rats. Yeah. Yes, bro. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Now there's nobody in there, just me. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on, man? And I'm telling these cops. I want to speak to fucking somebody, man. I want to speak to a bit. Why do you speak to somebody? I need to share. Somebody needs to come and explain to me why I'm here. They're not telling me anything, dude. Could that fuck you up if somebody just saw you going there? Yeah, bro. Absolutely. 100%. Like, they don't know what's going on. They just saw Big Lux going to the rat room. Absolutely, bro. Uh Fuck that. Oh, fuck your whole career off. Right. So, you'll be told, you'll be told. These guys are telling me nothing, man. Nothing. Every time I ask one of these cops, the sheriff say, somebody needs to know what's going on. I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't know why I'm here. Can I find out? Nobody told you so. Hey, man. Bailiff shows up with some kind of fucking public defender motherfucker. And they take me down the hall and I'm like, what's going on? And go, hey, there was a shooting like a year ago. And such and such. And they start listing it off. Yeah. And they're like, do you know about this case? I go, oh, yeah, I, I know what you guys are talking about, but I never saw anything. Well, you have a chance to say that in the courtroom. Dude, these dudes, brought, are you listening? I'm listening. I get brought through a hallway. I get brought up to a courtroom. They put you on the stand? Brother. Let him tell the story, motherfucker. They bring me in a courtroom. They're like TV cam. And there's like cameras, news cameras. The room's filled. Right, but like before you get in that courtroom, you're just brought up to the door. You don't know what's on the other side. Nothing. Right. I don't know anything. They didn't prepare you for nothing. Nothing, bro. They didn't tell me shit. 
Can you, now think about that. That's crazy. This is <laughs> Rampart. Right. Okay. Bring me up. As soon as they, I, dude, they have me, they come through the door and I see this whole courtroom and I'm standing there. I'm not even standing there for 30 seconds when I hear them call Steve Luciano to the stand. Damn. That's fucking nuts. Okay. Bro, they swear me. Who called? The prosecution? Yeah. They okay. swear me uh, in, bro. The the, <clears throat> who would the prosecution like to call next? Your Honor, we call Mr. Steve Luciano to the stand. I'm engaffled, man. I don't even know what's going You're on. You're in cuffs? Yeah. It's crazy, man. We raise your right hand. Man, I got fucking handcuffs on. Well, yeah, just yeah, put up your yeah. pinky then. Yeah. Now me swear me in. Swear to hell to hold you to hold you to the truth. Yep. Swear to God. Sit. Sit down. I'm pissed. I'm like, what the fuck? Now, just being in the courtroom ain't even cool. Right. That's not even cool. Right. You would have said no. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have gone in, bro. And- Yo, man, I saw Steve. Did you see Steve? Yeah, I saw Steve go into the rat room. Mm. Then they brought him up to a courtroom. He's fucking turned state's evidence. Yeah, bro. Fuck that, dude. Yeah, bro, they did all this shit on purpose. Yeah, of course. Anyways, the prosecutor or whatever the fuck asked me, hey, were you at so-and-so on so-and-so date of such and such? I go, I think so. I smoked a lot of PCP. That day, it was honestly, I go, smoked a lot of PCP that day, shot some dope. I think, no, and then he tries to tell me, like, were you at this thing? I right, we don't and need I go, to hear all yeah. that. He's missed all. Unreliable witness. Okay. Did you, did you or not did, 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 make a statement or did you saw or, you know, something to the fact of, did you ever make a statement that you saw or could have seen? I go, no, I didn't, Your Honor. I was there. I heard some shots. And I don't remember that day. I just don't remember that day while I was high, really high. And, bro, he walks away from the stand. And the other person, I guess the defense, comes up and is like, okay, uh, Mr. Luciano, so you were there and you said you were under the influence of something? And, again, I repeat <laughs> That I go, yeah, I smoked a lot of PCP that uh, day. And, listen, I'd like know. to say, first of all, I smoked a lot of PCP. I smoked a lot of weed. I had just had cataract surgery. <laughs> she let me, <laughs> I she had let me say everything. She <laughs> let me say it. The other dude cut me off. She let me say And you said that day, uh, whatever. And what happened? Well, I, I had remember an ear him. infection. I couldn't hear anything. Right. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't see anything. And <laughs> hey, bro. She's like, she's like, thank you, thank you very much, thank you for very much, Mr. Luciano. And right away, bro, they take me right out of there. They got rid of my ass real yeah. quick, bro. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> and uh, I remember was coming there a out jury of, on that? Yeah, there was. It was a full dude. It was a fucking. It was like a. It was a real trial, bro. They had a defendant sitting right up front. I didn't even look at this motherfucker. Right. It was just it was because I can tell you right now from a from the legal perspective, like from an attorney trying to convince jurors that a guy is guilty, it don't look good if you bring in a witness and he's like, "I was high, I don't know, I didn't hear anything," and then they just hurry up and usher you out. That looks like to the jurors you're trying to manufacture a case. You ain't got shit. Yeah, bro. And so I just didn't know they could bring you into a courtroom without telling you anything, bro. Uh, Nothing. These motherfuckers didn't say anything. 
Uh, that's Shit. a good question. I think I think that they have to let you know. And I almost think that you should be afforded an opportunity to converse with some kind of legal counsel before you say some shit under oath. Right. Before you say some shit under oath. Because who's going to object on your behalf? What if you went in? Listen, dude, what if they did that? And for whatever reason, you had like schizophrenia or some kind of Tourette's or whatever. Who knows? Something, right? Mm-hmm. So you go in there and then all of a sudden you say some shit that you didn't intend to say. Or you get mad at the prosecutor and it comes off bad or whatever. You could have got real fucked up from that. And they, there should have been, you should have had an opportunity to even talk to a public defender and the public defender and say, like, you're going to go on the stand. They want to ask you some questions. It could have implicated you. You could have been, you could, and, and who was going to object on your behalf? I don't know, man. Who's going to stand up and say, your honor, I object. It was bullshit. I'd That's never I'd seen anything like this done. I'd never even seen anything like this or heard <laughs> of anything crazy. this being done. Yeah, what was done to me. That was fucked up. But what I will say is, this is the rampart in its peak, bro. This is 97 when the thing went down, or 96 when it went down, and 97 when I'm coming up through the state about a year later. But this was, I'm telling you, bro, this was that scandalous rampart shit, bro. That I would even, there's no way that I should have even been pulled in there. The other thing that doesn't make sense to me is, wouldn't you think that with a corrupt uh, police department, they would have pulled me aside and said, hey, you've got this prison sentence. We can make it easier on you. If you, you know what I'm saying? If you know something about this. Right. I mean, you would think that they would have tried to, because I, you know, I'm saying I wouldn't, nothing was going to come out of my mouth because I didn't see anything. I don't know anything. But I'm saying you would think that the motherfuckers would have at least tried to use some fucking Vaseline before they try to fuck me. Right. 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 Like, hey, man, you know, you're looking at this term. We can make this thing go away or uh, lower your sentence if you know. But even that didn't happen. It was just the weirdest fucking thing, man. So Mm. that was Rampart. And, you know, not long after that, um, did the whole thing come down and i just remember bro that was some shady shit they tried to pull me into because they were trying to figure out how they were going to convict whoever they were going to convict or what they had i don't know but it's crazy bro oh no this is fucking bad yep it was bad wow dude that's fucking crazy yeah um the other thing is is so like i was saying like uh, when you, like I search Reddit for Rampart, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to find information, and like weirdly, there's nothing on. But you know what was on on Reddit regarding Rampart? There's, and a lot of people already know about this. But so Woody Harrelson was in a movie called Rampart. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I ain't even seen it because you know I like I like Woody Harrelson a lot, but I'm tired of ball headed, intense Woody. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it. Rant. I don't. I don't need to see all that. This guy, Woody, goes on, and now he's famous for having the biggest, most epic, hugest AMA fail on Reddit. Really? Yeah. And AMA is ask, ask Me ask Anything. Ask Me Anything. So sometimes what people will do, Obama did, and Ask Me Anything, right? Yeah. Uh, celebrities will go on to Ask Me Anything Reddit, right? And they might limit it, like, okay, I'm going to be here for like four hours, Ask Me Anything. Okay. And so this gives everyone on Reddit, who, by the way, has read every conspiracy thing, chased every rabbit, you know, all that shit, right? And, okay. and a lot of them are real intelligent. I mean, you can tell by the comments that, you know, a lot of them are also 
like professionals who are hiding under the name of like you know dope swallower ninety one. Right, right, right. All right, but they get a chance to like ask you anything. Okay, okay. So Woody Harrelson's doing Rampart, and the PR shit face or whoever the goose egged fucking flubble bellied son of a bitch is that's running his public relations was like, "Hey, Woody," like as if it was another press junket. Like, okay, right. we're gonna do fucking E Entertainment over here. We're gonna do ABC over here. We're gonna do fucking TMZ and Reddit. And then we're gonna do Reddit. Ask me anything. Interview about the show about Rampart. You could really get it out there because you know, blah blah blah. Young kids, blah blah blah. Digital, blah blah blah. Right. <laughs> so Woody goes in there. What he doesn't understand though, and what the publicist never told him, was that on AMA, it's called Ask Me Anything because it's about ask you anything. <laughs> Not just about Rampart. No, they don't give a shit. Reddit doesn't give a shit about Rampart. Gotcha. Part of the whole thing on Reddit is people are fucking sick of these fucking controlled press junkets where people jerk each other off and nothing gets learned. Gotcha. Right? Reddit's the kind of place where they'll chase. Anyway, so <laughs> so he gets on there, right? And he has no idea. And he's trying to keep it to Rampart. And then somebody gets on. And so it's like, so <laughs> let me just read you. So, uh, as part of the press junket for the upcoming Rampart, Harrison participates, right, and asks me anything. Almost immediately, he's on it for like two seconds, one user asked Woody Harrelson about a time he supposedly crashed a high school prom and slept with a female student. And this is what the guy wrote. I swear this is a true story. I went to a high school in L.A., and you, Mr. Harrelson, crashed our prom after party. You ended up taking the virginity of a girl named Rosanna. You didn't call her afterwards. She cried a lot. Do you remember <laughs> any of this? And can you confirm or have you been so neep in Hollywood pooty for so long that this dis- disqualifies as a mere blip? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the second question. The first one is about veganism. And he's like, yeah, I'm vegan. I like extra energy. The next one is... You fucking uh, slept. Did you fucking you, <laughs> fuck underage chick? Did you fucking underage chick take a virginity and she cried? Right. And uh, you denied the allegation, but then things just kept getting worse from there because he kept trying to get it back to Rampart and he kept trying to like, he did his responses. He, like people on Reddit were starting to like understand like he was real uncomfortable and you know how it is sometimes when yeah. you smell. Smell blood. Right. The sharks yeah. come out. Was right. going for it. Right. And then he just left the conversation. And then they just went on a massive, like, Tear? 1,300, like, you know, and they started making memes. Like, they put the, like, the, the <laughs> you know, the memes of Woody Harrelson with the scumbag fucking <laughs> yeah, Gucci yeah, hat. Yeah. Like, all that shit, dude. So good. And um, so I really, I highly recommend, because it's very entertaining to read the comments from the epic Woody Harrelson Rampart AMA fail. Yeah. Because it's, it's. Some of the comments in there are so funny. Another conspiracy. Now, if there's a fail, a fail, is there a pass? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Oh, so you can get pass or fail? No, 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 no. They don't like they they won't grade you. But if you come on and you're like, if you're like normal, like or if you're just approachable or you're open or you're being straightforward and honest, whatever, like like really making contact, you can answer some things. You can even get funny. Or whatever, and then the redditors won't turn on you and be like, "What the fuck? You showed up to do a junket. Somebody gave you some shit. Now you're all butt hurt and you left. What are you, a wimp? Got any balls? Like Obama did one, and I think he was pretty, pretty straightforward up front. So you, you can, but it's called an epic fail because it just blew up in his face, 
right? I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, you know. Then then people started asking, you know, Woody, like, have you ever heard of Reddit before today? Like, do you know what this is? Like, have you ever been here before? Do you right, know what's going right, on? Right, right, right. That's fucking hilarious. So anyway, that was an interesting. That was an interesting little side note that's related to the round. Let me ask you something, Juman. What? Okay, so new news has popped up recently about Rampart. Yeah, there was some mentions of they're still planting evidence and they're still killing people. <laughs> like, in terms, they don't call it's not called crash anymore and it's not called Rampart, but a lot of the same police tactics and things are still going on. It hasn't ended. Right. And, you know, that, and so in one of the discussions, somebody brought it up, uh, you know, like the ghosts of Rampart have returned. They never left. They never left. And they, and they probably were there before Rampart actually started. And, you know, the other thing is, is I think that Rampart's a good way for them to quickly take the focus off of LAPD in general. We just throw it over on Rampart. It's Rampart. It's Rampart. But right, it doesn't have the same name. It doesn't have the same. It's not LAPD. It's Rampart Crash. Yeah, man. It's like, come on, man. It's almost as if like someone high, high, high up in the CIA was like, look, in the age of the internet, in the age of the information starts building, in the age where it's getting harder and harder to run like weird scams, what you need to have is you need to have a truth pocket. You got to have a scapegoat that you've controlled and you've right, put together right. ahead of time so that you can dump all the trash in there. Yeah, that, I, I agree 1,000% with you. Right. So anyway, um, I think this is a good place to like end it for now. We're going to have Rampart 3, I think, because we haven't even gotten that far. We'll have to discuss it later. But um, we caught you up on some things. You heard Steve's Rampart story. Uh, and... Uh, what do we know? What do you? What is it that you say at the end of these things, Steve? I think I like to say, well, thank you for joining us this lovely afternoon. And for now, we are out. We're gonna say adios from the hard luck show. The hard luck show. The hard luck show.